Hello, Metro Augusta. Hello, Georgia. And hello to you wherever you are. This is Janice Allen Jackson welcoming you to the July 19th edition of Local Matters, a show designed to make you a more confident voter and a more engaged citizen. Today's show is brought to you as a service of Janice Allen Jackson and Associates, where we proudly provide consulting services to local government and nonprofit organizations. Two weeks ago, in case you missed it, I did an episode on the decision of the U.S. Supreme Court related to affirmative action. Um, if you have not heard that, please go to the Facebook page of the Local Matters Podcast of Georgia, or if you're not on that platform, you can go to Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or Spotify, or you can go to my website. Just Google Janice Allen Jackson and Associates. We have a Local Matters tab there, and all of the episodes are there. Just scroll on down to the bottom, and you will find that episode also, last week, in case you missed it, our guest was Ms. Carla Delaney. She is Director of Planning and Development Services for the City of Augusta, Georgia. This week, we're going to finish that conversation because we had so much that we wanted to discuss, so much ground to cover, that it took two shows in order for us to do it. So, Today, we're going to finish that conversation, um, but if you missed the first one, you can go to those same platforms, and again, that's Spotify, SoundCloud, or Apple Podcast, as well as the Facebook page of Local Matters, as well as my website uh, to catch that episode so you can catch up on everything that we discussed. One of the things that I am frequently asked by residents when they talk about government and how it is they can get more involved is is voting the only way that they could impact the process? And the answer to that question is no, because um, there are things such as public hearings and other methods in which you can make your voices heard. One of those major opportunities takes place tonight, and I wanna clarify that that is Wednesday, July 19th, 6 p.m. in the Linda Beasley room of the municipal building. That location is 535 Telfair Street. Again, 6 p.m. Um, there is a draft of the new comprehensive plan or the update to the comprehensive plan. There's a draft of it on the planning department's webpage. If you go to augustaga.gov, look up the planning and development services department. There you'll see a draft of the plan. So in order to participate, to maximize the value of your participation, please read that first. Uh, and then when you come into the hearing, it'll make a lot more sense to you. It'll make a lot more sense to everybody else when they hear your comments and concerns. Again, thanks so much for being a part of the Local Matters family. And uh, welcome Ms. Carla Delaney back for part two of our great discussion. When is the city going to do something about Rufus Mall? And we know that during the last mayoral election, one of the candidates 
made an announcement about Regency Mall, and then it got caught up in all of the political, you know, whatever, whatever about it was going on about, why is he talking about it now? And, you know, is this real? Is it something that was made up? You know, da, 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 da. <laughs> And I do recall, you know, if you follow the news listeners, I tell y'all to follow the news. I do recall that there was a rezoning application that was submitted for the use that was um, proposed and that I believe that rezoning application was approved and we haven't heard anything since then. So it would be very instructive for our listeners to understand the development process. If you could just kind of walk through, you know, what happens, what are they planning to do and um, what the rezoning was from what to what, what's proposed to happen and what's going on right now. Okay. All right. So Regency Mall. In August of last year, we brought before the Planning Commission an application to rezone it from B2, which is general business, to a planned unit development. The developer intended or intends to actually create a environment or community in and of itself almost because they're looking at doing 1,000 apartment units. Um, and then they are also looking at uh, preserving portions of the mall. So those will all be out parcels on the site. Um, so that'll be a thousand apartments. They're looking at preserving portions of the mall that are still standing. And they, what they want to do with that is they would like to create some shopping. There are some entertainment options. They're looking at putting in an amphitheater. In addition to that, there might be some opportunity for an educational component within the facility um, and on the ground. So there is a... Um, there's, I think I want to say seven or eight restaurants, sit down restaurants that are planned for the for the community. And I want to say this too, just so you know, just to give um, you know listeners and and just people in general who are curious an idea of what the process is. Once you rezone a property, um, it's typically you have an option on it. But since the developer in this case is actually the property owner, um, their application is is moving in, a, in at a different pace or a different direction. They already own the land, so what they're doing now is um, you don't see a lot of dirt moving, but you'll see that the planning commission recommended approval and the planning commission is a recommending body. The final decision is made by the Augusta commission and the Augusta commission also approved it. So after that approval happens, they're limited before that approval in what they can do to the property. They have to stay within the current guidelines for that zoning and for the, the land use that's, um, that's there. So once they receive that zoning, there's a lot of pre-development activities that start taking place. This is when they start doing soil testing, they were uh, with soil testing. You're looking for any source of contamination. You're also looking to make sure the soil stability. Um, what can you build there? Um, will the, is, are there any environmental impacts? You know, how close are you to Rocky Creek? Is there any wetlands? All this is stuff that has to be delineated before they go vertical or start building. So this is all of the pre-development activities is called engineering, and the civil engineers are working on that. At the same time, typically there's an architect on board who's doing the design. The design is contingent on things that they find that are environmentally based. So whether or not there's a wetland determines, you know, how well, where, if you're going to build in that particular area, how high you have to elevate that first floor, um, things like that, where your parking is going to be, where your um, 
uh, parks portion because there is going to be a, a considerable amount of open space there, which is a, a plus. So you're looking at all this pre-development activities. On a project this large, pre-development activities can uh, take up to 16 months typically um, because it is a huge undertaking. And you know, it's just not it's not retrofitting a building. This is a this is in my in essence a small city once they finish. So you want to keep that in mind. So this is all pre-development activity. I have no indication that it has stopped. Uh, we do see activity. We do know that they have, um, they've doing, they're doing their soil, they're doing their engineering. Um, you also have to think about things such as stormwater. In addition to that, portions of um, Gordon Highway are owned by the Georgia Department of Transportation. They're not city roads. You have to coordinate with several agencies and entities. Um, towards the back of the property, there are wetlands. So there's the um, Army Corps of Engineers and FEMA. So you have a lot of regulatory um, uh, activities that have to happen before you can go vertical. Uh, thank you for that. And you, as you described, I think the best way, the best description you gave was it's like a city itself. Mm -hmm. So do you even know if they plan to do all the apartments at once or is it like a phase one, phase two, phase three? Is any of that known at this point? So they are going to phase it. And I want to say for a project this size, this isn't just managed at the local level. Before the Augusta Commission voted on it, it had to go to the state for um, approval. It's called the development of regional impact. Anytime you get over a certain number of residential units coming in at one time, uh, and by one time we mean under one development, um, even if it's phased, but 1,000 is a lot of units to, to put forth. So this development also had to get uh, a nod from our regional partners, um, and it goes through the state process. So our neighboring counties all weighed in on this project also, and as well as the state. So I want to make that clear. But um, but. Um, they, they did not do what we would call a real, a true phasing plan. I think they're going to wait till they get closer because they're, I think if I'm not mistaken, I can pull it up. I want to see if I can pull it up. Um, there some of the buildings will come online first, but there is not a, you know, they don't have a plan to say like they haven't communicated that they're going to open three buildings wait or anything like that. It's all right now, it's all on the same level. But I will say typically when you have more than two buildings going on, you'll bring, you know, you'll bring them on as a series. So we expect when they pull their permits and when they get to that point where they're doing plan review, uh, building plan review, we'll know that better. But they definitely, I will tell you just in general, project this big is going to have to be faced. Right, right. It's huge. Because, yeah, if you're talking about a thousand apartment units, let's say they're averaging two people per unit, that's 2000 folks, which is bigger than some cities are. Mm -hmm. And I love the idea of different restaurants and recreational aspects. So this really could be a huge planned unit development. Uh, given uh, what you know now, do we have any idea when we'll begin to see something happening out there, see some construction activity? I would say they'll probably check back in with us. Like I said, it takes about 16 months. They're just now coming up on the 12 month mark. So they'll probably, um, I know we've had, we have had some meetings um, in the interim just to talk about ideas and, and some of their thoughts and things like that. So I would say that probably about the 14th month. So we're looking at around, what is that? November, October. Okay, all yeah. right. Yeah. Right, and that'll be to finish the design, and then from there mm -hmm. we'll know what the schedule, project schedule, could right. look like. Okay, they're, okay. they're going to have to. Um, one of the things, you know, they, they, the site 
the soil, the ground, the old parking lot, all that's got to be pulled up. So they're going to pull a demolition permit first. The demolition per, uh, portion of the project is can happen actually before the um, the rest of it. So you might see things being demolished before you see, and then there'll be a small break if they're whether they're clearing a hurdle um, at a state level or local level, or just you know changing a design or something like that. So you'll see the demolition happen first, the site work, uh, all that stuff, leveling off the ground and things like that. That's the activity that you'll typically see. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks so much. So what has been uh, essentially a 20 year nightmare with empty <laughs> bottle out there may be coming to an end. All right. I remember the moonlight madness self at J.B. White. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got a prom dress there. <laughs> hey, we all oh, got something at Regency Mall. We all got something there. Um, that is wonderful to hear. And now I'm going to move on to another thing that I hear all the time. I've heard it for years is that Richmond County makes it so hard to get a business license. Everybody else is easier to deal with. Uh, it's just so hard to do business in, in Richmond County. Is there any validity to that statement? I don't think that's an accurate statement. Richmond County is home to about 11,000 businesses. Um, so uh, difficult is, is not where you want to be. And it's not possible to be difficult when you have 11,000 businesses roughly in your county. One of the challenges I've seen or I've noticed is that depending on what type of industry you're in or you're trying to go in, a lot of times there's confusion about what is required in order to open a business or operate a business. And some of the challenges they face are that, you know, a lack of information sometimes on the part of the person applying. Uh, one of the one of the main challenges I've noticed is, and I'm, I'm gonna hold this book up even though this is not gonna be televised, but this is the book. This is every type of classification. So we call it the NAICS code, North American Industry Classification System. This book has over a thousand pages in it. There's no way my staff is gonna know this book, but they do know the local ordinances and the local ordinances also um, are rooted in the state um, ordinances. So depending on what industry you go into or you operate a business under, what you're going to be doing is uh, the person who's applying has to do the research and determine these are the state requirements. When they come to the local office, when they come to the Augusta Planning and Development Office and they want a business license, but based on that industry, we look up that classification in the, uh, in the NAICS code and we see what the state requires. So they typically should have it. And what happens is a lot of times they get to us and they are like, well, I didn't know I had to have it. And it's like, oh, we put this in the system. And if you're going to open a braiding shop, you do still need a shampoo license. Or if you're going to open a nail shop, you're going to have to get an inspection by the Department of Health. Almost every business that serves customers um, has to have an inspection by the fire department. So, you know, there are things that people are frustrated with. Um, and some of it's just not realizing that some of these requirements are in place ultimately for the safety of your future customers. There is no reason for the county to try to stand in the way. We want to see you grow. We want to see you flourish. We want to see you open. But the main goal with business licensing and registering the business license and inspection is to make sure that the future customers are safe. That's the ultimate goal. Yeah. So while sometimes people may look at it as being punitive, 
Mm -hmm. uh, the real reason is we want to ensure safe operation of businesses mm -hmm. in our community. And some of that is local ordinance and some of it state stuff that 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 the Augusta Commission doesn't have any control over. Correct. <laughs> right. Okay. Yes, because there, you know, you you will have certain certain businesses. If you are a CPA or bookkeeper, um, um, something where you work completely within your home, um, you're going to get your permit, you know, 24 hours or less, uh, because everything's self-contained. You don't have people coming to your house, so your customers aren't coming up and things of that nature. So buying a property or renting a property where you are on the lease. And that's another challenge we, we see. A lot of times you'll have people who come in for a business license and they're not on the lease. If you're not on the lease, then you don't meet the criteria for opening a business license. You got to be on the lease or own the property. And when you are at, those things are absent, people get very, very frustrated. And, you know, sometimes it's like, well, my mom owns it. Well, your mom now has to sign an affidavit saying that, you know, she gave you permission. These are just some of the standard guidelines that, um, that all of the municipalities follow. But I would encourage people to make sure they, you know, check with the Georgia Department of Labor, look at the industry they want to go in and find out before you come in what the criteria is for a business license. In addition to that, what we typically do, if we're not sure, we'll we'll just go on the Georgia Department of Labor website too and say, oh, yeah, we got to do this or this is part of the process. So, um, and also want to clarify that if you have a license in another county or city within the state of Georgia, we do reciprocal licenses. We don't charge you a fee, but you still need to have one here because again, the goal is to make sure that the customers are safe. We know who's accounted for. If something happens, we can say, we can go in our system and we can say, okay, they're located here. This is what we can do to help identify who's the owner and things of that nature. So um, there is no double fees. There's no double tax or anything like that. Um, one business license and you're just pretty much registering if you're in another county and you're doing business in Richmond County. Thank you so much for that. And a next question, because again, I hear these complaints all the time. You, know, you ask people, what are your concerns about local government? And they start coming up with something that comes under the auspices of planning. And this one relates to those businesses that serve both food and alcohol and um, all of the regulation that comes with that. They said, it just looks like the city is just going overboard in terms of trying to regulate my business. Mm -hmm. Is that too a safety concern? I mean, what's the origin? What's the reason for all of the regulations that govern those types of businesses? Oh yeah. So anytime you serve alcohol, you're in a whole nother uh, bracket or ball game, however you want to say it. Uh, the regulations are set forth at state level. Um, we in turn have the ability to refine them. We can be become we can be stricter, but we can't be more lenient than that. The criteria for how much of your uh, business is alcohol versus how much of it is food, we don't set the criteria. That's set at the state level. So all we're doing is adopting it. A lot of um, a lot of the times, this goes back to being well informed as a business owner, doing the research and things of that nature. What I can tell you is that um, there have been instances, um, and this happens everywhere, where sometimes there was a practice in place. And that practice wasn't rooted necessarily in the regulations or the ordinances that were passed. So I subscribe to the theory of once you know better, you do better. So once you realize that you have not been in compliance and what you want to remember is you don't just jeopardize 
one business. Everybody who comes in there, someone serving under, you know, underage people. If you have activities that um, cause crowding and crowds and things like that, all this stuff plays a factor. Alcohol is an amplifier. And you put these in situations and people want less regulations. That's, that's, you know, that's alarming. And that's, that's disconcerting because alcohol can amplify a situation and things can get out of hand. That's why there's typically uh, public events have more security. Um, that's why there are controls on it and things of that nature. So um, most of the regulations, I would say 89, 90% of the regulations are set at the state level. And then the county just further refines them a little bit more finds, um, based on what the commission sees as the vision for Augusta. You know, a lot of times we'll get comparisons to like, oh, we want open container um, in the downtown area. Um, as some cities do. And, and what you want to remember is you have entertainment districts within some of these cities that have open container and they also have a level of security um, officer, police officer um, presence that helps with um, crowd control and things like that, because that has historically been known to follow alcohol. So really, these regulations are a response to what we already know about human nature. Mm -hmm. Yes. When, when there is alcohol involved, you know, folks' behavior totally different from what it is if they're not intoxicated. And so those regulations are set in place by the state of Georgia to ensure that, again, safety is maintained. Yep, yep. Because you got to remember there, fire is going out there. We're inspecting these buildings. We're making sure the backflow works. We're making sure that all of the sprinklers are working. We're making sure, you know, that there is some activity that's going to ensure safety going on at these sites. So it's not just a one-time effort. It's an ongoing effort that we're making sure that these buildings are safe for occupation. Excellent. Thank you. Last thing I want to hit on, we got just a few more minutes. Mm -hmm. And I know there's something that you want to hit on related to the responsibilities in, in your department. Um, one of the pieces you mentioned that you're responsible for is code enforcement. Mm -hmm. And a, a couple months or so ago, I had actually had somebody from outside of Georgia just talk generally about code enforcement. He referred to it as the Swiss Army tool of local government. Uh, <laughs> somebody really likes code enforcement, right? <laughs> and you, of course, have had your own experience with that. Can you just what is it that you'd like our listeners to know about what code enforcement does and doesn't do? Okay, so um, code enforcement, uh, code compliance, what we're looking for is property maintenance. We're looking for people to keep their structures, whether that's their residence or whether that's their business. We're looking for them to keep do the, the basic maintenance to keep it presentable, make sure that nothing's falling off, uh, that the windows aren't broken out, everything stays boarded up. We're looking for people to keep junk, trash, um, all that stuff out of their yards. We're looking for you to keep a clean and maintained property. That's the goal of code enforcement. A lot of times uh, we'll get calls in regards to things that we have no control over. Um, one of the challenges, and I'll give you an example, um, we get calls about people parking on the front grass, the, 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 the front yard. And, and I'm always just like, so how do you, how can we help you? <laughs> you know, there are certain things that we can't regulate. It's a person's property. They own it. Um, the HOA can enforce some of those things, but, but that's an activity that we get calls about quite a bit. We have one where someone called in because someone left their clothes on the clothesline too long. 
Um, you know, some of these requests, you know, they may sound comical and funny, but but the biggest challenge we have is, and this is pretty much, you know, something that I we're looking for assistance to with too. Some of the challenges facing some of the communities and neighborhoods that um, that do not have an HOA is how do you encourage and teach pride in where you live? You know, you don't walk up to a person and say, hey, you just need to get that off your yard and, and things of that nature. That you, There's a way in which you talk to people. There's a way to treat people. And we're looking for ways in which we can, you know, foster that relationship with the community and people can foster it with their neighbors. Because that's the other thing we see. People said, I'm just not comfortable talking to them about that. So will you go talk to them about it? And so, you know, uh, we we recently this week, I think I got a referral for a call about a fence because a tree root grew under the fence and the fence is now puckered. And I was just like, that's not code enforcement. <laughs> so, you know, just how do we encourage spawn pride in where you live and property maintenance and, and teaching the importance of, you know, parking in the driveway. Um, uh, you know, if you see trash in your front yard, you know, even me, I have small children. I tell them that there's a cup in the trash. I, I mean, in the yard, I know you didn't do it. Just pick it up, put it in the trash can, you know, teaching that. And sometimes you think people assume that that's not an issue. But another challenge I'm also seeing is some of the, the businesses in Richmond County, you go up to the store, they're not cleaning those parking lots. There's uh, trash, there's litter. Um, I'm getting those calls too, because it is important. You know, you, we shop places and if you go somewhere and you open that car door and you step out and you put your foot down and you see all this trash and waste and dirty diapers, you don't want to shop there. So, you know, making sure that um, we realize that it's um, it's, a con it's a concerted effort. The businesses have to clean up their property. The, the homeowners have to clean up their property. We're all in this together and, you know, making sure we succeed as a community, it, it looks matter, aesthetics matter. And, you know, no matter what anyone says, I promise you, as I drive through with developers looking at um, potential sites, they're looking at these activities. So when we want to attract better jobs, better community, better housing, and more of it, because we have a shortage of housing, but we want a quality housing product to go in in our neighborhoods. We want to see our, our property uh, values stabilize and increase. So, as we look at that, they're looking at the environment and what's on the ground and how you're keeping up your property. So if you have any ideas about how we can spawn, foster some uh, motivation to help people uh, beyond just property maintenance, but just keeping the house aesthetically pleasing, the businesses aesthetically pleasing, please share them. You, you hit on something that's extremely important. I know all the time you hear people say, well, if you go to West Augusta or wherever, wherever, you don't see the tall grass and, you know, junk vehicles and, and those sorts of things. And a lot of times the reason you don't see it is because those particular homeowners have said, no, we're not going to do this. We, we're not going to, we thought it's not the city that's imposing a different set of regulations on them. It is the property owners themselves who say, no, we're not going to park our car in the front door. We're not going to let the grass get two feet tall. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're not going to have a, you know, a 20 year old Buick sitting there with no license plate. They just, they just, they're not doing it. So in other neighborhoods, owners of property are going to have to adopt the same attitude. Oh, yeah. Yes. Because. People, you know, iron sharpens iron. Um, people do what they see their neighbors do. I remember my dad would come home 
from the army, you know, he worked in the army, he'd have run PT and he's like, I'm gonna take a nap. And he gets home and every man in the neighborhood is out cutting the grass. And I was like, yeah, I thought you were going to take a nap. I'm going to cut this grass. <laughs> right. And then growing up on military installations too, we had a yard of the month and, you know, it was no monetary, you know, anything, it was nothing monetary attached to it. It was just a pride and just saying, you know, I worked at this and this is something I accomplished. And getting back to that would, would be nice. Um, yeah, because when they see other, when you see other people do it, typically, <laughs> typically, historically, it'll, it'll make other people just, you know, comply. Let me go on out here and cut this grass. I don't want to be the one, the worst looking house on the block. <laughs> right. Yeah. And my neighbor painted her house. Yeah, I might want to paint mine too. You know, <laughs> all those sorts of things. Sometimes it's keeping up with the Joneses, but it's a good kind of keeping up it's with the, the right Joneses. Time. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. You don't have to go buy the car, <laughs> but you can definitely cut your grass. Yeah. Thank you so much. We've covered a number of topics that I think illustrate the breadth of responsibilities that you have as planning director. I appreciate you so much just taking the time to talk to our listeners. Is there any other tidbit that you want to share with us before we close out our interview? Well, I would like to say this um, in regards to anyone that's thinking about opening a business. Um, before you apply, um, let's schedule a call. Let's let's sit down. We want to see you succeed. There's a lot of opportunity for us to share what we do know before you come to the counter. And we don't have any problems doing that via phone. So we do schedule appointments to talk people through and walk people through the process of getting a business license. So don't let that be a hurdle. It's the biggest challenge is coming up with the idea and then being brave enough to pursue it. So let us help you before you even get to the counter. Let us be part of your research and, and we want to see you succeed. And we welcome your business in Richmond County. Excellent, excellent. Uh, Local Matters family, this has been Carla Delaney. Uh, thanks so much for listening to us. All right. That again was Ms. Carla Delaney. Thanks so much for listening to our great conversation. Next week, we're going to be joined by Ms. Marquita Rucker, and she's going to talk about a big back to school event that's going to take place on the 29th. Blessings. I close with my favorite Bible verse from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This show is designed to contribute to each of those, giving you the power that comes with knowledge, demonstrating love for your local community, and offering you wisdom for decision-making so that you possess a sound mind when it comes to these topics. Please tune in next Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. here on WKZK, 1600 AM, 103.7 FM, and WKZK.net, because local matters.